Good morning, everybody. Elevate and Excel, episode one. Um, hashtag one, EP one. Uh, I'm live and active this morning, uh, this Monday morning from London. Uh, I'm Elliot J, uh, the host, um, your host, uh, and I'm glad that you can join us. Um, if you haven't already, um, go and grab yourself a Tetley, a Yorkshire Gold, um, Nestle, anything <laughs> of your choice. Um, we're going to get started. Um, on the show, um, we like to celebrate achievements, um, both big and small, embracing the process in elevation within lifestyle, community politics, entrepreneurship, creative arts and sport. Um, to live a better life, um, there are many uh, pieces to the puzzle, many components that we have to perfect and get right in order to see it come to fruition. Um, we have a great show lined up this morning. Uh, so without further ado, we are joined by my amazing co-host, the uh, wonderful Croydon Poet Laureate, Shaniqua Benjamin. Morning, Shaniqua. Morning, Elliot. It's great to be here with you, of course, because it's always amazing when we talk. Yeah, and, and we've been planning this for a while. Oh my gosh, yes, we have. Just over a year. Yeah. Oh my but goodness. we're here now. We're here now anyway. Um, and we have a very... Um, at least in Croydon terms, we have a very special guest on the show, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Eight Four Nine, hashtag Fairfield's finest. It's Councillor Cara Skipper. Good morning. Thank you for joining us, Cara. Oh thank no, thank you. you for having me. I'm so excited. Appreciate you coming on the show. Um, first of, good morning to both of you. I hope you guys are good. First and foremost, um, Cara, I'm going to start with you. Um, we met, um, we started talking around the 2019 Fairfield by-election that you won. Um, we had a lot of uh, interesting debates on Twitter before <laughs> we actually started talking and before we actually met. Yeah. Um, and one of the conversations that we had was basically naming Disney's uh, top five all-time <laughs> yeah. soundtracks. So I'm going to ask you again, just before we get into the nitty-gritty, what your top your top five Disney soundtracks are. Okay, so top no five. No mistakes, top five. Top five, top five. And by, but because Elliot's done me dirty on this one before, so just to make it very clear, it, the, when we talk about top five soundtracks, it's the songs you know, it's not the like background music they include on the soundtracks, okay? So... No, 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 no. okay, okay, go on, you go. <laughs> that wasn't the criteria, one. but I'll let you have that one. <laughs> I've just set the criteria. <laughs> Number one, Moana, hands down. Moana. Number two... I'm going to go Hercules. I know you hate it, but I'm still going to go there. Um, number three, I'm going to go Pocahontas. Number four, what am I going to go with for number four? Oh, it's a tough one. See, then I think you get into the middle ground and there's quite a lot of them at play there. Once you get to number four, I'm going to go with Jungle Book. It's always a solid That's one. That's a good choice. That's a yeah. good choice to be fair. And uh, number five. Number five, I'm going to leave open. Let's let's hear yours and then I'm going to come back to number five. Cool. Shaniko, I'm going to run it to you. I'm going to run it to yeah. you now. Disney okay. top five all-time soundtracks. Do not make up your own criteria. Cara <laughs> has made up her own criteria <laughs> to say that it's based on the songs that you know. It's based on the all-time greats. Just the oh. greatest 
top five Disney to do? Oh, of course, of course. Number one, hands down, to Little Mermaid. That only has amazing songs. That's what I'm saying. That's the what I'm saying. Amazing score. The most Little Mermaid number one. Little Mermaid. Yeah. Number See, this one. is why she's the co-host. <laughs> this is why. <laughs> number two is The Lion King. Come oh. on. Oh, yes. Shiniqua, Shiniqua, I promise you. Okay, continue, continue. Number three, Aladdin. Aladdin is just absolutely yeah. brilliant. Number four is Milan because come on, when she sings about we are, man, it's just, oh, I love that. It's just really beautiful. And number five, I would say number five would probably, that one's a tough one, number five. But I'm going to also go with Pocahontas as well because those songs are really, really lovely. I don't know any. Pope it has Pope a great Pope. little, you don't know Colors of the Wind. I don't remember. Oh, and Savages. Oh, that song's so powerful. Yeah. Isn't yeah. isn't Pocahontas about colonization? Anyway. You know what? Ever so slightly, but it's Let's go to another. And me and Cara <laughs> have had some crazy conversations about this as well. Let, let's, let, okay, Pocahontas. So, Shaniqua, name your top five again from start to finish. So Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid, Lion King, yeah, Aladdin, yeah, Milan, mm-hmm. and Pocahontas. Did we all get that? Actually, no, it's not. I take my mind. It's Beauty and the Beast at number five. It's Beauty Oof. and the Beast at number five. Yeah, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Cool. I'm uh, I'm gutted that I missed out Aladdin and Lion King. I don't know how they slipped my mind. I don't, I know, don't know how they slipped your mind either. Especially Aladdin, Aladdin the 2019 soundtrack I've listened to on repeat for about six months earlier, uh, early last year. Right. I'm going to go with my five. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with one, Little Mermaid, Shaniqua. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with two, The Lion King, Shaniqua, right again. Um, number three, I'm going to go with Toy Story. Oh. Nobody can forget Toy Story. And number four, I'm going to go with Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And then number five. Number five I left open because um, it, one, it's the last one, and two, there's so many contenders for it. I would, one would say Frozen could squeeze in there. If we're talking about soundtracks, didn't Frozen chart? Yeah, but I just think Frozen's overrated, the soundtrack. That, I agree. Let, let that, It Go is the most overrated song of all time. Of course, but let's not lie, we all sing along to it. <laughs> No? I mean, I have to say, me? when I was when I was building a snowman yesterday, I did let out a little. Every exactly, <laughs> and that is branding. They've actually branded a whole snowman to snow, a whole soundtrack to snow. So, you know, there, there we go. Um, yeah, I would argue Frozen, um, simply because of the fact that it charted. It came out only a few a few months uh, years ago. Sorry, it's a new Disney show that that the new young children have been brought up on, and it's done so well. It's is competing, so I'll go frozen. So yeah, me and Kara had a lengthy <laughs> debate. We even at the food bank, um, Revivify, we actually played, uh, we played our favorite soundtracks whilst we were uh, packaging the stuff. So that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody else apart from me and Elliot thought it was. Nobody, sweet, nobody else but... was interested in that apart from, apart yeah, from me and Kara. Yeah, because they clearly must not be as fun people. I mean, how can you ever go wrong with Disney soundtracks? I don't understand. Exactly. And I, I still, I'm 23 now, and I still go to Disneyland like every other year. Oh, that's so sweet. It just Love makes you. me feel like a child again. <laughs> it's great for me, but not great for the kids. Because <laughs> Are you, just, you, you push them all out of the way. I'm just horrible. I'm, horrible. Like I'm so horrible at it. <laughs> it just makes me feel like a child again. And just, <laughs> the, the inner child comes out. 
Anyway. I think we need that, though, in this weird world. I think you need to feel like a yeah. child again and enjoy those really wonderful things that make you feel happy and alive and joyful. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why, that's exactly why I go there. Um, and I recommend anyone to go. I've been to the Paris one a few times, four, maybe three or four times, and the American one, Orlando, once. So, but I love, I love them. It just makes me feel like you forget about the stresses of the normal world. Mm. So it's not that, I mean, I've got a special connect, but it's not that expensive typically. So anywho, um, Cara, I'm going to start with you. Um, do you prefer to be called Councillor Cara or, or just Cara? Absolutely. Please do not call me Councillor Cara. No. Just Cara's brilliant. Thanks. How, how, <laughs> how have you taken to the new role um, since being elected? Um, it's been an absolute whirlwind. Um, I think, you know, when we think I got elected November 2019, um, and so a couple of months later, we were, we were in lockdown. Um, and so I think I went to maybe two um, full council meetings in, in person and everything else has been online. Um, mm. So it's not been the most um, kind of standard start, I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> um, thrown in the deep end kind of, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think anybody who gets elected in a by-election um, experiences that to a certain extent but I think it's been difficult not being able to kind of um just not being in a room with people has been quite difficult um especially the way that I work um you know I like talking to people I think like having those conversations is is the way that you get most things done so so that's been quite challenging um and it's also been challenging because the nature of the work overnight completely changed right um so any ideas that I had coming into it about what it was going to be like, any expectations, had to throw them straight out the window and, and kind of start. I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a whirlwind is the is is the word I can use to sum it up, really. Because you you probably you probably thought you were coming in November two thousand and nineteen to um, deal with normal constituency resident issues, housing. Um, um, you know, income allowance and things like that. And suddenly you've just been dropped a bombshell of COVID, the C19, because the COVID, that word is banned on here, <laughs> by the way. We spoke about that. That I word we don't say. Again. We yeah. acknowledge we acknowledge that 19, but we don't say it because uh, the media have um, completely bombarded us with it. So we protect this, this space on Elevate in Excel. Um, but yeah, you probably thought that it was going to be the, the normal issues to deal with with your residents and suddenly that has dropped this virus has dropped and everything is like 10 times worse when you think about families on low income and things like that yeah yeah definitely and i think but i think even before um the virus that must not be named as i shall refer to Mm -hmm. (laughs) um even before that you know a less well just over a month after my by-election was the general election right yeah so I got elected working on a campaign for a Labour government that, had that been successful, would have made local local authorities everywhere operate completely differently, would have made local councillors everywhere have a totally different job because councils would have exactly. been funded properly, right? Yeah. Um, you know, housing issues, don't get me wrong, there's no overnight kind of um, switch for it, but would have started to be dealt with, people would have been supported again, um, all of those kind of things. So I think even before the virus that must not be named really hit, 
there was this overwhelming feeling of, you know, people that 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 way out is gone for people for yeah. another four years, five years, four however long it's yeah. going to be. Um, and that was devastating to me, devastating to you know my colleagues and activists and everything else. And I think that was quite a lot to to get over, um, mm. knowing that you know all, all the time that. In my view, all the time that a conservative government's in power, towns like Croydon are going to struggle, and yeah, you know, people everywhere are going to struggle. But um, people who who kind of face the struggles that a lot of people in our community do um, are not going to receive that help. And yeah. then to have layered on top of that um, this just impossible, impossible thing that the the world is dealing with, but that we know hits those inequalities that already exist in society, it hits yeah. them worse. Makes, um, it, makes it ten times worse. Yeah, and to, and for me to even try and get my head around that at the beginning was like, what do we do? <laughs> what yeah. can we do? Um, how do we just pull people together a little bit? And I think the little beacon of light that there was at the beginning was the mutual aid stuff that came out, um, that people really rallied together. And, um, you know, even WhatsApp groups of people living in the same tower blocks or whatever. Yeah, just bringing people together that had maybe lived side by side for years and years and years, um, and hadn't really talked, um, and now they've got that little support network. So there's, you know, there's little beacons of light in in that suffering that people have come together. But it really did shape uh, coming into this um, as just a completely different world than what it was when I set out to do it. Really, yeah, completely unpredictable. Um, yeah. But yeah, you um, you grew up in Croydon, if I'm correct in saying. Yeah. Um, did you ever see yourself becoming a counsellor growing up in Croydon? No. Like passing, and, and what, what school did you go to, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, secondary school. Yeah. Edenham. Edenham. So you've grown up um, going past the town centre every day, more or less, from like the East Croydon side. So you've seen the town centre, the town hall, like every, every day going into school. Did you ever think one day, I'm going to be elected as a councillor for Fairfield and no. <laughs> represent your community like that, to that level. Absolutely not. Um, I'll tell you, because when I was younger, um, so my, my family is quite political, right? My mum and dad right. members, um, were Labour members when I was growing up. Um, and so that kind of like electoral politics conversation was always going on around me. So. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, a lot like teachers, whoever would say like, "Oh, you know, you're going to go into politics," and I was like, <laughs> "I do not take that as a compliment." Like, no, what, what, who do you think I am? Um, and so I kind of had a bit of a bee in my bonnet that like, no, like I'm, you know, not going to go down that route. And it all, I, I genuinely had no interest in it. I would pay like a lot of attention to what was going on and you know, staking yeah. up and whatever. Um, but it was just a world that I just didn't think there was, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure there was what you could do with it was to the extent at which I wanted to do something, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, and then for me, that all changed when um, Jeremy Corbyn ran for leader. Right. Um, so That was 2015, right? That was 2015, exactly. So um, he did a rally at Ruskin House in Croydon, so I went along to that. Um, and it was it was the first time that you know a lot of people have said this, but it was the first time that I listened to a politician that actually spoke to me, that actually yeah. 
identified the stuff that was going on around me and said that those problems were a priority. Whereas I think yeah. up until that problem, it was like, yeah, yeah, we know that there are these problems, but, you know, we can't afford it or, you know, whatever, just excuses, basically. Just excuses, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so that's when I got involved in politics as a anti politician person probably um uh, would you say a, a radicalist for change moving away from moving away from general politics and being more on the ground i think that's is that yeah yeah I, I definitely think that is 100 i think what i would define it as now i think at that point you know i had very little political education outside of party politics and i think that's something in this country we're so bad at like our political education is just horrendous. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think I even knew what being political was, particularly yeah. at that point. Um, and I think that's something that I've learned along the way over the last five years or so. Um, but I think then the more I got involved, the more we kind of looked around and obviously as the, the, the way the party was at that point, there was not that many councillors that were supportive of the kind of policies that um, Jeremy and the membership were putting forward. Yeah. Um, and so I think I saw moving into that space as, um, I don't know, as kind of being that voice. Like it was, yeah. it was obvious to me that, well, we knew the membership supported it. And it was obvious to me from the people around me that our community supported it as we, you know, and that's, we've seen that in the electoral results in Croydon as well. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of felt that responsibility um, to enter that space because I, I wasn't convinced that there was enough support for those policies being echoed in that space as there was outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was absolutely never a dream at all, um, <laughs> or nor an aspiration. And I was literally going to say to you, um, I know that Shaniqua wanted to, um, to add something. I was literally going to say to you, what age did you, become, did you become politically conscious? But I guess that's that being politically conscious um maybe Shanika can can touch on it as well it's a process that gradually comes to you because for me as well similar to you i i wasn't politically conscious growing up i showed no interest in it because it it didn't uh, appeal to me it, i didn't know that politics or the government or any political party served me but when you get older um and I'm 23 now, when you get older, you realise that the change is, is at the top. That's where policies are being made. So somehow you have to lobby or influence people at the top or, or political parties to make to make a difference for your community. Um, how can, Shanika, do, do you want to touch on that? I'm being politically conscious. Um, I think being politically conscious is interesting because I think politics is something we've been made to feel is all about, you know, people in a room debating and, you know, a certain type of person. Mm. But politics is also about the everyday thing. Education is politics. Violence is politics. Home owning is politics. And for me, I think as I got older, I started caring about my community mm. and caring about social issues and realising that's everyday politics that I really do care about. I just don't, I don't particularly care for that other side of things <laughs> where it's the people, you know, talking language no one except for them yeah. can even really understand mm. I don't care for that at all but I do care about looking out for my community and helping those people when I think when I became in my early 20s probably similar to your age Elliot I mm. became more politically conscious conscious and I'm very passionate about voting because I feel like mm -hmm. you know you have to have a say and particularly for me as a black woman I mean 
people rallied for me to be able to vote. So mm-hmm. it's very important for me to do that. Whether exactly. I, you know, vote for a party or not, it's a different story together because I think they're all kind of a mess. But I believe it's important to vote and to make a difference because in all honesty, politics affects every single one of us, even though we may think it doesn't, because we're again looking at one side, it affects everyone. So I think it is important to try and get involved in your own way, whether yeah. it's you know, you want to become an MP or a councillor, or if you want to start up an organisation or become some sort of activist, I think it affects everyone. So it's important to kind of tap into that in whatever way feels comfortable or works for you, I guess. Yeah, I'm with that. So Cara, getting involved um, in politics at community level, when we're talking about being politically conscious, do you have some ways or some suggestions in which the average person who doesn't know who their councillor is or doesn't know who runs their, their community, do you have any suggestions in in, in, in in like how they can get involved and who to go to and any tips and advice on that? Yeah, so I think, I actually think what Shanique said is really, really, really vital and really key. Like, I think we need to distinguish between being political and being involved in electoral politics. Um, electoral politics is one part of being political. It, you know, it always has been. Um, and typically electoral politics has been the limiting factor on radicalism. It's been the limiting factor on progression. Um, and it's been grassroots um, activism, which is political, as, as Shaniqua um outlined far more eloquently than than I could. Um, it's that that drives change um, and always has been. We've, you know, when you look to any change that's been progressive, any change that's been right, it's been fought for from the bottom up. And we've only, that change has only happened when it's become impossible for them to res- resist it any longer. Yeah. Um, and I think from my point of view, when what was, maybe different about the Labour Party under Jeremy's was that it was kind of a one shot to attempt to put it in at the top. Um, And I think what we saw is the establishment absolutely rally to make sure that that wouldn't happen. So yet again, living up to the name of being the limiting factor in progression, in my view. Um, And so what I would say is for anybody that is interested in either electoral politics or making a difference is like, first of all, just ask yourself why. Like, why do you want why? to get yeah. right? What do you want to change? What's the what's the thing that you're experiencing or you're seeing around you that you don't think is right? Um, and almost write those things down actually, because it's so important to have that focus. Otherwise, what you end up with, it, what you what the danger is, I think, is that you can end up getting lost in this electoral politics game of personalities, of aspirate, like career aspirations, et cetera, et cetera, and the meanings get lost. And I think there's a yeah. lot of people who enter it for the right reasons, but they somehow struggle to hold on to that thing that, that, that why. got there in the first place, right? Yeah. And I think when you've got that why, it's about then looking around and looking for the place or the type of activity that's going to make the biggest difference for that thing, right? Yeah. Because um, it's not always going to be electoral politics, you know. It's not always going to be that that's going to make the biggest difference. A lot of the time, if it's something that you want to change for the long term, that effort going into grassroots, going into local activism, um, going into challenging that establishment, challenging those systems, is actually going to make a far bigger impact. 
than being elected. However, yeah. there are some things that, of course, you will be able to achieve and you will be able to change by entering into electoral politics. So I'd never dissuade anybody from going down the electoral politics route. I just think we're not always great at um, having that conversation about what change is possible through that route and what change has to go through um, other more kind of resistance-based um, activism. I got you. I got you on that. Shanika, did you want to say something to that? I think it's a really key important point there about remembering why you do things. And that is not even just for electoral politics, it's for anything you do to to create change or spark yeah. change, is remembering why you do it. Because I think it's so easy to not only get lost, but really want to give up when things are really, really tough. The amount of times that I've had to say to myself, why am I doing certain things yeah. to carry on? Because <laughs> it's when you, I think when you do anything that involves wanting to make change, it's difficult. It can at times be very lonely and it can be extremely, extremely, extremely challenging. So remembering why you do anything or why you want to do it is just so key to kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like keeping that kind of light. Yeah. As the, in the times of that darkness. Beacon, this is, this that is beacon. The, yeah, this is the yeah. light. This is the reason why I look into that. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, and Cara, when you ran for um, uh, councillor in 2019, um, I wanted to ask you what type of emotions you felt on the campaign trail, um, because I know that whilst you were running um, a lovely, um, positive campaign, which I did at, remember, I DM'd you and I, and I gave you a little shout as well. Um, whilst you were running that campaign, there was a lot of uh, media attention and speculation on the opposition um, regarding the whole Spagnation allegations. Um, but what was the campaign like for you on the red side? <laughs> on the red side, I love that. Um, yeah, it was. Um, I don't want to come back to the word whirlwind, but do you know what? I think the last couple of years, it, it has been that. The, I guess the nature of a by-election is that everything happens quite quickly, right? Yeah. Um, and so you don't have much time to catch yourself. Um, the like, the selection process for the to get the candidate in the first place was a complete mess. Um, and so even getting to the point where we were then in the campaign was difficult. Um, and for me personally, I'd come off, it, it, was, it was off the back of a year that was very difficult for me um, in my personal life. Right. And I think I, I just got to a point then where I started to kind of rebuild my mental health and, and kind of get some resilience back and stuff. And then I was in the middle of this, um, just, I don't know, surreal. Quite, yes. quite, quite hectic. Would you say the campaign trail? Was, I mean, what were your, what was your, um, what were I should say? What were your days, your your days looking like? How was a typical day on that trail? My days never ended. <laughs> um, again, because I used to see, I used to see you on like four or five different pitches um, <laughs> <laughs> um, doing door knocking. Yeah, every every single day. And and don't get me wrong, I I love that. That's the bit yeah, that I love, and that's, that's the, the bit that. This year, not being able to go and knock on people's doors has has been difficult for me um, because I think that is the just the best, um, most natural way to kind of see things. Engage and engage, engage with, with, with exactly. the Engage, exactly. And represent people because, you know, you, you can't represent people if you're not talking to them, right? So yeah. um, anyway, so yeah, I, I absolutely adored that part of it. Um, mm. But I was also working for... The, the party at the same time and obviously we were coming up to a general election so 
my shifts were absolutely out of this world. Um, I don't remember sleeping too much, but I must have at some point. Um, but it was it was constant. It was constant. Yeah. And, and you know, like you don't if you put yourself forward to be a candidate, you know that's going to be the deal. Um, and it was. <sighs> You, you get the first couple of weeks are hard and then you get this adrenaline kick in and then you're like, okay, come on, let's do this. Like, yeah. whatever you've got, throw it at me, like, we're going to go. Um, and I guess, you know, you touched upon the SPAC Nation stuff. Yeah. I I took a decision early on when that stuff was coming out. Um, I, I knew that anything coming forward was going to the correct people to follow up with, to yeah. you know make sure that it was um, listened to. Was uh, it distracting for you though? Or did you just block it out? Because um, it was it quite was, big. It was just it was distracting in the sense that I was concerned for the for the people involved yeah. and the people needing support. Because I think the the concern for me was that these allegations weren't new um, at all, and I think that was a frustration of a lot of the people coming forward at that point. That it became this new story, and actually a lot of it, a lot of the allegations weren't new. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it took that kind of bit of kicking into the spotlight for people to sit up and listen. And I find that frustrating. Um, and I was quite upset for the people who had been brave to come to forward come yeah. before that and, and and hadn't been listened to. Um, and so I guess I saw my role as being making sure that anyone who was coming forward because of the campaign or whatever, that they were kind of going to the right people and, and being listened yeah. to. But then publicly, I didn't think at that point, I didn't want the whole by the whole election to be about that, basically, um, because I think then you stop talking about the stuff that you also need to talk about, but and, and it becomes this argument between two sides, and then you drop out the people who are struggling with their with their housing issues. You drop out um, from the real, you know, from the real stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, not not that the Spat Nation stuff wasn't real, but it was just it was something that needed. Yeah, no, I needed dealing with, but I didn't want it to become the whole thing. I didn't want to let yeah. down all of the other people that needed speaking about by just yeah. speaking about one thing. So I took that decision to to kind of run it like that, really. Um, yeah, so that's did, how it that's how it went you, out. Did you, did you ever speak to the candidate, or the Conservative candidate? I did a few times, only really in passing. We bumped into each other a couple of times on the campaign trail. Um, yeah. And again, it was important to me that I was professional um and that i went over and shook her hand um and said hello and introduced myself um i didn't feel like making it dramatic would be helpful to anybody um in that in that situation and so yeah you're probably wondering um why i called you uh mrs 849 yeah, why? What that, that, that was your that was the amount of votes you received. Oh my vote! Oh brilliant. I love it. I thought that number would have stuck with you. I tell you I tell you what, it's typical like human nature, isn't it? Because I remember like seared into my brain the number of votes I lost by in twenty eighteen. Mm. <laughs> that number that number's in there forever. Um, um yeah, that that was the reason <laughs> I, I, I called that. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um,